So, how long have you been Ant-Man again? Not long. It just sort of happened. I wish I could fight bad guys like you. I seem to mess it up almost every time. Maybe you just need someone watching your back. Hi. Like a partner. Welcome, Rasters, and this is another episode for the weekly roundup. I'm Alex. I'm Dan. And this week we are going to be reviewing the DVD release of Ant-Man and the Wasp. Good film, in my opinion. Um, I wouldn't say it was the best one of the, of the year, but it was a nice, funny way of sort of ending it for Marvel Studios. Because after Infinity War, that was quite heavy. Yeah. But this is quite light-hearted, it's charming, it's funny. Bit of life, light relief. And um, is the, the sequel to the, the original Ant-Man, um, which for me... Uh, I think I've said this before, Dan, um, is in my top five. Yeah, I mean, I can't really define the top five for the Marvel Studio films for myself because it would always change, but this is definitely one of my favourite films as well. Yeah. Paul Rudd plays a brilliant Scott Lane. He does. But the question is, does he pull it off a second time, which we'll get to um, in a bit. But um, for those who perhaps um, need a bit of a reminder about where we find our, our titular hero... Um, where are we at the beginning of this film with um, with Ant-Man, Scott Lang? Oh, he's under house arrest after what happened in Stuttgart in Germany in the Civil War. So, the events. so he was um, on Hawkeye's arrow tip. Um, and uh, he, innuendo. And he's uh, innuendo bingo, ladies and gentlemen. Um, that'll be a game show coming up in the podcast probably uh, in the near future. Um, so that's your first one. And uh, he's being shot at uh, our man. And... Um, he he, sure enough gets captured, thrown into the clink in the raft. Yep. By um, Tony Stark, and then later released, as we see now, uh, under house arrest. Yes. But he's he's had his suit taken away. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, this is one of my favourite scenes actually from the DVD. And again, this isn't really so much of a spoiler, but it gives you an insight of just how serious this house arrest is. So Scott's set up a whole area of of his house into a play area for his daughter with the help of Bluey. Michael Penner. Yep. And you sort of sort of see him playing around in these boxes and they go down this slide which takes him out into the garden and unfortunately for Scott his leg goes through the fence which breaks the parameter and then the FBI pay him a visit. Because of course he's got a, an ankle bracelet on hasn't he and that goes yeah. outside and, and as, as, as you say they, they swoop upon him and um, they give him a telling off because he's only got is it a couple of weeks left of his um, his house arrest before he's he's in the clear? Talking days, like three or four days left. So he's, he's um, got to keep his nose clean and he's got to behave himself because um, otherwise he's he's back to the raft and he doesn't see his his daughter Cassie. Yeah, um, but I mean, a great part played by Randall Park is Jimmy Woo, Agent Jimmy Woo. Yeah, uh, who leads <laughs> the inspection to make sure Scott isn't doing anything suspicious because they think he's got a second Ant Man suit, which. We know that he doesn't, mm. essentially. Um, but Scott sort of explains he's just trying to be creative. You know, you've got to entertain your young kids. And um, he sort of leaves Wu being quite impressed. The FBI leave and Cassie goes home with mum Maggie, who's played by Judy Greer, another return for her. Yep. And Paxton, who's played by Bobby Cannabell again. Mm-hmm. 
And that's that's just one of the, the the plot threads I think that goes throughout this film. I think there's about three or four that that weave in and out. I mean, you got that one, which is the family part, which is is I mean, family is always the core of a Marvel film, right? Yeah, it's yeah. always um, daddy issues or or brother issues or as we see with Hela in Thor, yeah. Ragnarok, sister Loki. issues. Um, but this one has the family part. You know, mm. Cassie's important to him. He's a father, and you know he was locked away before. He doesn't want to happen again. But then you've you've also then got um, his 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 merry band of ex cons. Oh yeah. So they uh, they they come back as you say, Dan, uh, led by Mike, uh, Michael Penner. Um, they are the the, the co- comedy relief in this film, and they've set up a, a legit security firm. So who better to to inform people of their security needs than thieves? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and they've got to land that big client deal, otherwise they're going to go under, and that's where. Scott is asked to, to, to be the um, security consultant and to help them in their time of need. So you've got that part going on. Um, you've also then got um, this strange plot distraction with the Pims. Now, where yeah. are the Pims at, at the beginning of this film? Because they were, they were heavily featured in the last one. Yeah. Um, uh, Hank, the, the, the father, and Hope, the daughter. Yeah. where are they now? I mean, the film opens again with that sort of throwback to 1987 where Hank Pym who is reprised by Michael Douglas again and his wife Janet Van Dyne who's played by Michelle Pfeiffer wonderful actress and they're on this mission to essentially stop a a rogue nuclear missile from hitting American soil and Janet goes subatomic to stop this missile but then she goes into the quantum realm bit too far bit too far and then you've got Hank and Janet, who not Janet, the daughter Hope, Hope, yeah, who are trying to rescue her from the quantum realm. Yep. So um, <clears throat> they're on the run, and they're they're trying to seek out these uh, these technological parts to, to to build the the means to go to the quantum realm to find um, the wife and, and the mother. Um, but things, suffice to say, are quite frosty yeah. between the Pims and, and Scott because Scott's running around in a suit done by um, by Hank Pym. Uh, doesn't quite go down too well with the authorities, so um, they're on the run. And relationships are essentially strained between <clears throat> the two parties. Now, one of the interesting things is that in the previous Ant-Man, we saw Scott himself go into the quantum realm. Yep. And this is where it gets a bit dicey, ladies and gentlemen. So you see a scene where he's in the bath and he sort of falls asleep and he has this dream where he can see himself as Janet playing hide-and-seek with a young hope. Yeah, a, a vision of sorts. Um, Again, not really so much of a spoiler, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, but he tries to get in touch with, with with Hank and he sort of struggles a bit, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he, he can't get in contact and also tries to make sense of, of these visions. And this is where the, the film really starts to snowball. He's got days left of his, his house arrest. He needs to stay out of trouble, but he also needs to, to, to get back in touch with the Pims. Um, there's then these gangsters that also have the technology that the Pims need, yeah. uh, the FBI running around Archim, and then we've got the baddie of the film. But is it the baddie, though, Dan? Again, I I don't want to say Ghost is a villain. Because, just to, to throw back to um, our second half, uh, highly anticipated films of the year episode, I think it was episode three of season yeah. one, and I mentioned about this film um, 
and Hal's looking forward to it, and the the the, the, the lead villain um, named as uh, as Ghost. Um, it was or is portrayed by um, uh, Hannah John Kamen, who's um, a British uh, actress. She um, is also in Killjoys, the the sci-fi um, TV program. So she has got some some experience and background in this this genre. Um, and she, in the comics at least, is quite formidable. Goes up against Iron Man. Is a uh, is involved in corporate espionage. Steals technology. Um, is quite the adversary, but. In... Made a bit of an appearance in some of the recent Dan Slot Spider Man comics as well. I'm sort of going back a couple of years, um, but, but still, wor- still noteworthy. So you're thinking this is going to be quite, quite the the villain for the film, but it almost ends up being a side note. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, Would you agree with that? Because I mean, again, we don't really have a real villain, but again, just going back to the black market tech dealer, um, Sonny Birch, played by Walton Goggins. He's your. He's the villain, but again, it's not your sort of typical super bad villain. No. <clears throat> He's not like the previous film, which was Yellow Jacket, um, which you know has the powers and has the the Hydra links. This is just a just, but it is a, a, a gangster, um, and you know the, the 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 character of Ghost is looking to steal the same tech that Pims need to save. Um, uh, Mrs. Pym. Yeah. So there is that conflict, but I never got the sense that the character was the big bad, and that that may be because our perspective is somewhat marred by Infinity War. Yeah. You can't get anything bigger than Thanos. Thanos is as big as they come. So then, when you then a couple of months later visit Ant Man two, and then you got the the Ghost, which isn't really the villain. Do you feel more like an anti-hero essentially of the film? Possibly. Because, I mean, we get to a point where... Try not to give too many spoiler ways to the, to the listeners. Do we have to give the spoiler alert? Yeah. Here's spoiler alert, ladies and gentlemen. But you almost sort of see them teaming up a little bit later on. Yeah. And for me, it's a nice plot turnaround, but... I think they did the character an injustice personally, but nonetheless, we've all, we've got quite a lot going on, and for me, that's that's my only criticism. I guess of the film is um, it's not quite Spider-Man three, which was an absolute car crash, but there's a lot going on. It's it's quite convoluted, and I don't think they all equally have the the same amount of screen time or perhaps the you know the payoff that you're expecting. Yeah, it just sort of gets a bit messy, doesn't it? Yeah, but. Um... Yeah, it's interesting. Like I said, we go back to Sonny Birch and there's a, a great moment where he meets up with Hope to sell this part and he figures out who she is. Yep. And essentially, she, she's she got this wasp suit on and she miniaturises and starts beating everyone up. It's, it's great. It's a great, it's a great scene. Moment. It's a fantastic scene. Like, there's a moment where someone's throwing knives and I think this mm-hmm. is in the trailer as well and you yeah, see her just running along this knife it's so good. I mean, I think she's a, a great villain. A, a great villain? A, a great hero. Yes. A good addition. And I will get more onto Hope and the Wasp shortly as part of my favourite character's development. Mm-hmm. Well, perhaps we'll, uh, we'll give it just uh, a quick break there and then we'll come back in a couple of moments and uh, we'll get our thoughts on the final part of the review. I just have one question. When Cap needed help... If I'd asked you, would you have come? I guess we'll never know. 
But if you had, you'd have never been caught. I do some dumb things. And the people I love the most, they pay the price. Thanks to you, we had to run. We're still running. Let's go. So we're back. Um, so we've talked about the plot, and I've already given some of my thoughts away about you know some criticisms. But um, were there any other closing thoughts from you, Dan, on the, on the subject? Um, I mean, favourite characters. I I come back to Louis. I love him so much. He's so funny. Mm-hmm. Like there's a bit in the where he pulls up in his van. He's like, "What's up? What's up?" You remember uh, that beloved commercial? What's up? I had him follow us. Uh, I thought we could use some help. And he's just like, oh, this is awkward. What's up? Yeah. Um, but oh, he's a very loyal person, isn't he, when you look at him? Um, he's got his friends, Scott, Dave and Kurt, who he's trying to set up the security yep. job with. <clears throat> um, he supports his friends, as we've also seen in Ant-Man, where he helped Scott break into the Pym's house to steal the Ant-Man. So. Yeah, so he's... For me, he he continues to be the the constant kind of um, comic relief of the film, and I think um, he's the one character that really does bring the kind of depth to it, which you see from the first one. He is the consistent part to it, and I think you know Michael Penner just is is immense in his return as as that character. Yeah, uh, and again, he's he's also a very disobedient character. So my example is there is a bit where he's told to stop whistling when he's in Pym Technologies HQ but what does he do he just carries on like nobody nobody told him to stop and his nature is somewhat bumbling it is yes most definitely and let's not forget about his diarrhea mouth where he can just go on a long winded explanation or something but he just forgets to simplify things oh see that's complicated because when I first met Scotty he was in a bad place and I'm not talking about cell block D his wife had just filed for divorce and I was like damn homie she dumped it when you're on lockup and he was like yeah I know I thought I was going to be with her forever but now I'm all alone and I was like damn homie you know what you got to chin up because you'll find a new partner but you know what I'm Luis and he says you know what I'm Scotty and we're going to be best friends okay hold on hold on because, of course, they, they do that a couple of times in the first Ant-Man film, yeah. where it's a very convoluted story, but in the end it, it links back to an Avenger or, or some somewhat. Yeah. Um, so that does make a welcome return this time around as well. Uh, any favourite characters for yourself? Um, it has to be um, Hope. So I think, for me, the character really does develop uh, and move on from the last film. So, you know, we see the end of Ant-Man 1, and she's very cosy with Scott. Yeah. They are, you know... They um they have the love interest between one another. Fast forward to she is on the run. She's particularly frosty towards Scott now. Yo, They're yeah. not on talking terms. Uh, but as as the film develops, and as, as I guess if you haven't seen the film, you can understand they do get closer, and she does thaw somewhat towards the very end. But I think for me, it the the frostiness and the the the, the emotion really does come through in the character. She's been betrayed. You know, yeah. by by Scott, who gallivants across Europe, having fights with superheroes. You know, they are there trying to to find her mother, while Scott is doing everything he can to kind of scupper their their yeah. plans. And I think it's it's so well portrayed in in terms of the complexity of the relationship that for me, um, Evangeline Lilly does an absolute blind of a job in terms of this this character. I mean, in the first film, again, I'm going to go back to the character development because this is 
what I wrote my note, notes up for was, was her specifically. Mm. I mean, in the first one, she's quite stiff and naggy, isn't she? Yeah. She's very, like, contained, essentially. Um, and then it seems to have somewhat gone in this film. So she's a bit more relaxed and seems a bit more at ease of herself. But as you say, she's still very frosty with Scott and doesn't take a lot of crap from him. No. And her demeanour just seems to have shifted from stiff to cool. It does. Almost indifferent because she's got a task at hand. She needs to, to save her mother who yeah. is floating around the quantum realm. I mean, again, she still gives that sort of side eye, that sort of look. And it works brilliantly as a gag. And there's a bit where Scott's talking about his buddy Cap. Yes. And you get the side eye... And it, it's just funny, it works, it's brilliant. But the film, sort of, I, I think it sort of focuses a lot on her primarily, which again I'll go into a bit more of the overall impressions. And she sort of grows as a partner, a daughter, and essentially now as a superhero. Yeah, agreed. So overall impressions, what, what were your thoughts? Um, good film, right? So it wasn't, it wasn't as strong as the first one. As I say, felt confused. I think they also missed a couple of points. So um, Goliath, um, yeah. the original kind of inverted Ant-Man, if that's such a thing, um, the reverse. So um, obviously Scott can go large now, not just small. Yeah. Uh, we see that in Civil War. Um, he does that in this film. Um, and Goliath, played by Lawrence Fishburne, he, um, he's the original and he was fighting with Pym Back in the, the old war days. Yeah. But we never see any flashbacks. And we never see any kind of reference specifically to Goliath. Just that he plays a role. Yeah. But he was one of the founding members of the original Avengers back in the 50s and 60s in the comics. Would have been nice to sort of seen a little throw to that. Like him just like growing. Like, yeah. Because he says he only gets as tall as seven foot. But I'm sure he gets bigger than that in the comics, right? He gets he gets um, stories tall, and for me, it just it just seemed like an inadequate nod to what is quite an important character. And then Lawrence Fishburne, I think, is is the aged superhero. I think he plays it very well, but ultimately, he's wasted. Um, <clears throat> so that's that's one, I guess, criticism of the film. The other is just the pace. I think he's off. Um, I think there's too much going on. There's too many spinning plates. The peril is there. Will they? Won't they? Save. Um, Janet Pym um, but as I say I think there's lots of distractions that really take it away from what is the core of the film and um, I think it's just a confused film for me in the end yeah uh, I mean one of my critiques was that despite in Ant-Man Scott was sort of portrayed as a intelligent guy I mean he's no Tony Stark or Bruce Banner no but he just Sort of, he feel, I feel like he's been portrayed as a little bit inept in this film. Like he's lost a few IQ points. He's, he's they've dialed up the stupidity, which <clears throat> I think he played off well in Civil War, right? Where he's introduced to the other superheroes, and he's the um, you know he's the embarrassed um, and nervous fanboy. But the scenes have played in that bit too much in this this film, and I think it misses the mark. Yeah, I mean, more often than not, he's the butt of the joke in the film. But then going back to that character development, the Wasp. Has this been done purposely so she can take the mantle of the yeah. film? Perhaps. I, I mean, it's, it is light-hearted, it's comedic, and it's fun. I mean, after Infinity War, how heavy that was, it does wrap up quite a nice year for Marvel Studios. It does. Um, just I think it um, perhaps doesn't have quite the impact as, as the first film, but is that because of Infinity War, or is that because of uh, of the film in its own right? 
I don't know. Time will tell. Uh, I mean, again, several fights and chases, but surprisingly, unsurprisingly, well choreographed. Yeah. Particularly like when they shrink down and you've got the wasp running along the knife. But we get a mid-credit scene for this one. So... We do. So spoiler alert. And if you haven't seen this film already, please watch this and the mid-credit scene before you start listening to this section of the podcast. Yep. So we get a mid-credit scene which ties in nicely with Infinity War. So they're planning to harvest quantum energy, aren't they? And they mentioned they're going to continue helping their friend Ghost. Yes. And you see Scott go to the quantum realm and... He's harvesting, harvesting said quantum energy. And it cuts to this bit where he's just like, guys? Guys. Guys. Okay, seriously, don't joke around. Bring me up. Let's go. Guys! Guys, where are you? And you just see them just disintegrating. Yeah, flicks back to... We don't even see them disintegrate, do you? You just, you just see the no. dust settling. Yeah. As they're, they're, they're floating away in the wind to the point where he's, he's left floating indefinitely in, in quantum realm space. I mean, in my opinion as well, see, having seen this in the cinema, this should have been the last credit scene. Yeah, they shouldn't have had it on as a, as a Bolton. I guess they've done that because it needs to be set in its own right yeah. as its own self-contained film, but I totally agree, Dan. It drops a brilliant cliffhanger, and Kevin Feige actually sort of talks about how these characters are going to play a massive part in Avengers 4. So the question is then, how does he get out of it? If all of his loved ones and people who are capable about... Well, A, knows he's there, and B, has the ability to take him out of it. Because no one, as far as we know, have dabbled in the quantum realm, perhaps apart from Doctor Strange, but yep. he's dust. Yeah. So how how does he eventually end up, as we know in from set photos, end up with the likes of um, Tony Stark? I mean, if I recall as well, Janet sort of talks about how you shouldn't go through certain holes in the quantum realm am i right i think so, yeah to certain levels otherwise you, you know you, you become insane and um that you know reality doesn't apply there and it's it's a bit skew if yeah i mean hopefully we'll get a less inept scott lang in avengers 4 um but going forward is he going to be the the real mvp for avengers 4 he's a guy in the know um it would stand to reason that you know him floating around in the quantum realm means that he has perhaps avoided being turned into dust because um, he's he's in a realm which can be untouchable by the laws of physics. Also, is he going to age? I mean, did Janet age in the quantum realm? I think she did, didn't she? She did. Yeah. Um, it was a good, what, 40 years, I think, <clears throat> or 30 years that she's been floating around. So, um, again, we'll see very shortly, I, I guess, yeah. um, as to what what becomes of Ant Man as he's floating around in in nothingness, but uh, I I think it's fair to say that Dan, you're right. They missed a trick there, and they should have really had that as the cliffhanger. Yeah, but absolutely. But obviously, l- listeners, please let us know your thoughts on Ant Man and the Wasp. Um, again, this is your podcast. We want your views. Yeah, did you like it? Do you, do you disagree with our thoughts or? Do you wholeheartedly um, you know, concur and perhaps you, you have something further to add? So please do get in contact with us. We've got all the details in the description below and we'll be very keen to hear your thoughts. As ever, I have been Dan. I've been Alex. And this has been the Weekly Roundup and we'll see you next week. <laughs>